But are you really fine? That is the question. In these just annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm fine. I've untrapped. We have other crap. We'll be fine. I'll just look at this on my phone. (laughs) Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. Uh, It's Tony. You heard us both already. It's the Beer Engine Podcast. We're all here. Uh, another episode of um, the finest of beer insights on the beer industry and the taste of beer and um, people who are around the beer uh, world and sphere. Um, sphere. Yeah, we're in this. We sometimes you get in the sphere. Sometimes you get out of the sphere. You know how it is. Sometimes it's um, the death sphere. Yeah, we're covering it all here. Uh, top beer industry podcast number one, kings of the world. Tony, how are you? I'm pretty good. I like to think of us as the Tucker Carlson of beer podcasts. Mm. Now, I would say, hmm, I like to think we give it to people straight, Tony. I think we're more of a, uh, I think we're more of a guy, one of them, uh, Greg, is it Greg Allen, the Newsmax guy? Was that the guy's name? No, um, I know. I know who you mean, but it wasn't Greg Allen. But I actually think I know who we are because we, we are a duet. We are Diamond and Silk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, di- <laughs> I'm Diamond. Uh, I want to be Diamond. Case. Okay, you can be Diamond. Uh, I actually don't know which one is which. <laughs> Neither do I. I couldn't tell you which, couldn't tell you which one is which. Um, but, yeah, you guys know we're, we're your number one source for important beer news and Tony. Uh, let's kick this off with some important beer news. Uh, you were at McDonald's. Yeah, I was at McDonald's. This is the first thing we have on the list. So tell us tell us a little bit about your trip to McDonald's and um, try to fit in some beer conversation in there somehow if you're at it. Well, you um, were the one that actually posted it on Discord that there was a new That's item. That's right, I did. There is a new item at McDonald's, yes. At McDonald's? Uh, what, what was this item, Tony? Where did I put this? Um. I think it was. We're going to find it. Don't worry. I think it was yeah, in I general it. chat. Um, yep, I got it. You got it. You found it. Yep. This is the Australiano. It's a mix, some Mick Cafe coffee, and you know that's good. Um, with some chai and wattle seed. Now, I'm actually not familiar with what the wattle seed is, but you can get it. You can get it hot, or you could get it iced. Um, the one in the picture has some nice latte art on there. Maybe a little heart because um, Mac. Macca's loves you, but um, tell me, what is the wattle seed? Uh, the wattle seed is a um, native spice. Um, mm. I think it's from the acacia family. Um, it's an Australian native um, spice, as I say, but it's got a lot of popularity, I would say, within the last 10 years. You're seeing it a lot, a lot of places. It does go particularly well with coffee, uh, industry beans, the guys that I buy my beans off. Um, they have an iced coffee and they have wattle seed in it. It tends to go really well. It can be used in a number of um, different foods, uh, but really sort of plays nicely with coffee and sort of has a – it's not an overpowering sort of flavour. It's more sort of um, nutty 
an earthy. Okay. So anything that's like, it's hard to hard to put my finger in exactly what what all seed is, but what that flavor is, yeah, yeah. It it just blends nicely with with coffee and chocolate and hazelnut. Think of it in that sort no. of realm, that sort of nuttiness, that sort of earthiness. Not in sort of your turmeric earthiness, but sort of that um, that coffee hazelnut. I think hazelnut's a great descriptor for it. If you ever had, I haven't. I haven't really been into a local McDonald's here in a in a minute. Now I know we're not selling this, but there were a couple interesting things in this menu. Okay, number one, you guys list your calorie counts in kilojoules. Correct. I would say that is. Um, which correct. makes it seem much worse than what they are. <laughs> yes. How many kilojoules? What's your target for a day? Uh, to burn or to eat? I Not don't to know. eat, we'll say, in uh, eating in these cases. Fuck, I'll have to Google that. I aim to bur- like- burn 3,200 kilojoules. Um, okay, so you're looking to eat more like, what, a little less than that? Oh, definitely less than that. Um yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't. Know, don't always hit that goal. In fact, I really I'm do. I'm thinking like twenty eight hundred, probably in that case. Because uh, this, I mean, these fucking things must be bad for you. Then, if that's how many, it's got thirteen ten in the latte. I mean, that's a lot of milk and sugar in this thing. Kilojoule intake. Um, sorry, <laughs> that that was that thirty two hundred is based upon active exercise. An average human actually burns 8,700 kilojoules, so 8,700 oh, okay. kilojoules a yeah. day. So so you'd want to be eating like 7,000, something like that, 6,000. If you're trying to lose weight, then yes. Um, right. Or, or you're just up, yeah, um, your exercise to, to make sure that you're burning more than the um, 8,700 right. kilojoules. Right. But, yeah, we, we – List them in that we don't tend to use calories as a measure because uh, kilojoules is a metric measure, so it, it fits in with the rest of our measurement system. But the McCafe is something you, you see at every Australian McDonald's. Uh, yeah, we have the McCafe too. We got that. Um, the the other thing that I thought was different was the uh, you have the points. So yeah, I know McDonald's has created some kind of rewards program. So maybe we have this now too. But uh, you guys have the points listed, which is very funny. Um, the other item on here that we thought was interesting was the mud muffin, which sounds like a turd of some kind, but this appears to be a muffin. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have the mud muffin, which is just, I think, chocolate mud cake kind of style okay. muffin. Sure. But okay. I did have the Australia, Australiano in hot form. Sure. Uh, had it with breakfast. Had a double sausage McMuffin. That's so, delish. No, that's nice. Yeah, I, I like I like your bog standard McDonald's. I don't like your fancy shit. But for this show, I, I treated myself the same way you did to the flaming hot Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. I thought I would Delish. I would try the Australiano chai. Um, in actual fact, maybe this is just me, but it just tasted sweet. I didn't get any yeah, wattle seed yeah. from it. It was just like shitty just chai. Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like well-made chai where you get more of that cardamom sort of whack um, and it's a really nice spice blend that isn't particularly sweet. But this was like sugar with sweet milk added to it. It was it was not terrible, but would I get it again? No. Would I get it over a McDonald's uh, McCafe coffee? No. Do I rate McDonald's coffee? No. I think it's the worst that's available 
in my town. Is it, is it terrible coffee by world standards? Probably not. It's probably no. reasonable. It's probably better than than the coffee that you get at your McDonald's, certainly, because we, <laughs> our, our guys have Brewster training. Does it mean it's good yeah. or even a high standard? No, we've got coffee shops where yeah, this, you this, have real this Brewster. Looks like it's got some high-quality barista training on this thing. but Yeah. Um, they, they are just – it's the same here. It's just sweet. It's just sugar. Yeah. Uh, if you um, – honestly, I don't think the McDonald's plain coffee is any different than it was – maybe it is different than it was 15 years ago. Um, to me, that it just has always been like brown and water taste, you know. Um, I'm not getting a lot off of that. So I, I usually am not getting involved in McDonald's. I used to go to McDonald's when I was teaching drumline, and I would have to get up hungover in the mornings after hanging out with all my buds at, when I was like 24. Uh, I would stop at the McDonald's in Romeoville and pick up a Southern-style chicken biscuit, which is not a good thing to eat, and uh, a cup of their nasty coffee and uh uh, you know, if you're drinking, I was, I was making pour over still then. And if you're drinking like a nice light rose coffee <laughs> compared to that stuff, you're getting a headache in the middle of the day because it just doesn't have the caffeine to, to keep you going. Yeah. Now I don't know anybody that drinks McDonald's filter coffee, not filter coffee, but you know, the old fashioned brew anymore because, right. um, with the, with the yeah. shift to like machine ordering and stuff, you just order everything in a combo on, on the little screen and you just have to yep. pick up two separate counters. Um, did you want to take a guess at what country and what year the McCafe was invented? Because it was on my cup. Um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I don't think it was Australia. Was it Australia? No. I don't know. Okay. Well, I do know, uh, but I'm not telling okay, you. Yeah, Mike, you know. Um, I'm going to go with uh, it was somewhere like, um, hmm, boy, yeah. It really wasn't in Illinois. That's usually where they invent all of the McDonald's shit. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the USA in 2005. So wrong, wrong decade, wrong country. Okay. It was Australia. It was in Melbourne, and it was in 1993. I Jesus, can remember it being, um, or at least the first CBD location to have a McCafe was I mean, we out didn't near have the. It until the mid 2000s um, was out near the Victoria market um, they had the first CBD location for a McCafe so there you go we are to blame for the McCafe you, you guys like your coffee out there though I get why you have big cafe culture over there yeah we do and uh, it's great to see that McDonald's um, McCafe is even in small towns like like sale um, is not held at high standard, which is great because it doesn't deserve how far, to be. How far did you have to go for that from your house to the McDonald's? Okay. That wasn't at the closest McDonald's. I was going to the train station and that was a 45-minute drive. But if I was to go to McDonald's, it is a 15 to 20-minute drive depending on traffic. Oh, that's not bad. No. Okay. no there's, but the difference is there's not a lot of houses in between. It is a yeah. 20-kilometre trip. So I think that's generally the case in any rural area like ish, like uh, in Illinois, you could still probably get to a McDonald's at the most in, in 20 minutes. You just kind of drove through a cornfield and ended up at McDonald's. Yeah. I, I don't think, and it depends how, how far isolated you are in what part of the rural area you are. You like, 
a lot of people have to travel further than that, but a lot of people are, are closer. It's it's not like there's one every every forty minutes along along the highway route. It just depends where you are and how close you are to one of the major cities. As you get further away, right. um, it becomes a lot more sparse. But yeah, McDonald's yeah. is is still that and Subway tend to be our two big chains. It's the same here. Subway is pretty much everywhere, and it's nasty. Brian got food poisoning from Subway recently. That uh, funny right. enough. He went to the one in the Boulder Station is why. Uh, <laughs> he went to the sub. What are you asking for when you go to the Subway in the Boulder Station? I don't food know poisoning. What, that's what you're what. asking for. Yeah, that's you. Just you deserve. You deserve it. Uh, they are ditching that Subway though because the Boulder Station Tony is getting a Capriati's. What? That's okay. exciting. Now, how yeah, do you rate the Capriati's? Really. I know you're. I like it. Okay. I like Capriati's. I rate I rate Capriati's for sure. I uh, I think Capriati's is my favorite chain sandwich place um, right now. I would say um, they have good cheesesteaks. They put the cherry pepper relish on it, which I like. They have a nice setup with the bread. You know, I'm typically not a big turkey eater, but they make probably the two best turkey sandwiches, which is the the Bobby, which is the one with like stuffing and cranberry sauce and shit Ooh. on it, which is good. And the coal turkey, which has like um, Thousand Island and coleslaw on top. Um, they have capistrami, which is amazing. The pastrami sandwich. That's a great hangover sandwich. Uh, and they're fast and good. So I, I yeah. think Capriati's is, is about the best one. Now, you need a lot of different stuff there. Yeah. What are your sort of two or three top ones? So Capriati, top of the food chain. Does Jimmy John's make it in your top um, three? Top three of like chain sandwich places. Yeah, yeah I can't because I because I mean there's better sandwiches in town. Than, oh, than of those. course. Yeah, Capriati's I'd say then Jersey Mike's. You know I like really? Jersey Mike's. Oh yeah, used to get that all the time in in Chicago. And um, boy, would it have to be Jimmy John's? It can't be Subway. Um, I've never been to a Firehouse Subs. That's probably the one that's third best. But I've never. I've just never. <laughs> bothered to go yep i don't know it's just like i'm not that interested in trying new sub places all the time like they're all kind of i sort of get the gist um yep if i were but if i were in arizona i would say egs because you know you know brian loves him some egs i like it too it's good but we don't have them here so i guess i'd have to go jimmy john's because i i do like the um jimmy john's bacon like i had me too like that is the one thing that was a standout for jimmy john's it's like the JJBLT is a great sandwich. That's what you I get had. The, JJ, the JJBLT, that's a good one. And if you're really feeling feeling um, fun like I, I am, you get the JJBLT with the cherry peppers on top. Ah, good you tip. You get a little, pick, a little action on there. That's a, that's a good sandwich. But those are those are probably the three best. Uh, someone can come yell at me that I'm forgetting somewhere, which is probably true. Honestly, I was just going to say, Tony, since I was getting excited about fast food breakfast because we got our, our yep. White Castle opening up. Do they here breakfast? shortly in, in Henderson. They make a great breakfast. Um, the, the, the breakfast thing to get, in my mind, now you can get this with bacon or sausage, but I don't, is the breakfast slider with the hamburger patty. And it's just the hamburger patty, an egg, and uh, onions. And that's it. And you get their little hash browns, which are like the little rounds with the like heavy seasoning salt on them. A plus. That's a great breakfast right there. That'll do you right there. Oh, that does look good. 
Yeah, it's good. And don't get – they always say bacon or sausage. You got to say neither. I want the burger patty, baby. Give me the burger patty. <laughs> okay, so um, is that just subbing out the burger patty for one of those other items or is it the burger patty plus those items? You could do both. They have one where you can do both. They 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 t- they offer it with all three, but I guess most people just get it with bacon or sausage. I'm just not. Yep. I'm not one of them guys, man. I want the burger. Um, Tony, you got another note on here. Let's. We will get some beer talk, I guess. Uh, cans cans are back at the footy. It says now, and I guess you are not talking about big old titties. I never you? went away. Beer, aren't you? No, okay. Yes. All right. Perfect. <laughs> well- for years, we've been a society that has been in plastic cups. It happened actually at the cricket, not at football, but it, it permeated its way throughout every sporting venue in Australia that we moved away from cans because during the cricket, people got bored, started doing the Mexican wave and started throwing oh, rubbish no. up in the air. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s. Very environmentally friendly time. But... Throwing rubbish up in the air, when that was a full can, that could do some damage. Now, yeah, that's the point right. being is beer is a lot more expensive these days. People don't do that shit anymore, thank Christ. We're a little bit uh, less animalistic, a little bit less prison nation, thank Christ, in Melbourne. And they've started to reintroduce cans um, from the bar back at the footy. Um, and I... Um, had some Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew, Mountain Goat mm. um, beer in a can when I was at the footy, which is like Mountain Coat's a Heineken um, owned product, whatever the bigger umbrella is. I was going to so, be so pissed at you if you got hard Mountain Dew before me, <laughs> you fucker. Okay. No, no hard Mountain right. Dew. Fine. But at the footy, it was good to drink out of a can because you're not dr- dealing with that shitty plastic cup and i agree i i prefer especially outdoors and it might be kind of hot or warm i don't really like dealing with like you get about two-thirds of the way through that plastic and you're looking at a flat kind of well uninteresting beer to me i don't know two things um most of the games that i go to we have a roof on the stadium and the roof is shut so it doesn't matter what time you go and footy is played during winter so we're not really getting warm beer in Marvel Stadium. So it, I just thought I would celebrate the fact that beer cans are back and uh, I hope I'm to see more the, events. Going to the Aviators game at the end of this month and uh, it'll be 112 degrees. So I, I don't think my I think my beer is going to get hot in the plastic cup. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the Aviators? Because I know they're we've the, got the 51s and the They're, the, they're what the 51s were. Oh. The, the 51s are now the Aviators, which is an ass name, by the way. The 51s should come back. Um, but uh, it's the same shit. They have dollar beer night still, don't worry. But they just play in a nice brand new stadium, which kicks ass. Uh, it's like next to the Red Rock Casino. Um, it's very, very nice stadium. Uh, the night games actually up in Summerlin, it won't be that hot. It'll be like 90 something when we get there. And by the evening, it'll, it'll cool off. It'll be fine. But, um, they do, they do occasionally play a day game and I'm like, (laughs) why you gotta be nuts, my man. Uh, they have the pool seats too, which I think is cool. Um, so you can just go sit in the pool, which is which is kind of nice. I don't think we're doing that. Gee, it's a decent sized ballpark. Oh, ten. It's 000. a nice ballpark. Yeah, that's, that's they said that big. the uh, 
No, but it's it's a minor league stadium. Yeah, they honestly they were saying that if the A's move here and their stadium isn't ready yet, they would just play there and they could still draw twice as much as they do in Oakland. It could be like three times because I think there are a couple of games recently were like twenty two hundred fans in Coliseum. Oh, yeah. so are they seriously looking to move to Vegas at some point? No, oh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely, yeah. I think them. Uh, I think they're the big contender, but the Angels are also. Uh, you know, rooting around here, I believe. Out of any of the major franchises, I sort of, I'm surprised that it's taken Vegas this long to get their their hands on a on a baseball franchise, like because it is sort of the right market for it. You look at, um, well, maybe I'm I don't know my baseball, but I I see a lot of um, you think of the olds, <laughs> yeah, just sort of like. Yes, it's not an East Coast um, area, I think but the, in the West, it's sort of the perfect opportunity to play a summer sport that that plays. I think it's just too game. hot. I think if Phoenix is a pro, I think Phoenix is the example of this, where you have to get your dome. You're going to have to get a covered ballpark yep. built. You know, um, the problem here is that um, I think the I actually think the the base of people who live here, and I could be wrong on this, I don't have any stats to prove this, is actually trends a little younger um, uh, than you would think. And I think baseball is also proved, there is an old people area here, you know, yeah. there are old people, like, like retire here and shit. But I think with Tampa, for example, it was borne out that that didn't actually work. <laughs> <laughs> the old people don't actually go to anything. They just sit around their house or they go to the fucking sports book and bet races all day. Um, which is great for them. I mean, that's fine. That's what I would do. But I was I think just thinking I, the I ethnic know, yeah. mix um, in Vegas is sort of ripe to yeah, actually support be. a baseball team because it's not sort of one monoculture. It's it's a broad ethnic base. It's it's not like um, Southern California where it's all um, sort of yeah. South American, Mexican, Central American sort of people. It, it's 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 more a mix. More than that, yeah. I think the Golden Knights proved that if you come here with a community mindset and you sub- and you kind of build Vegas into your identity, uh, you will be successful. So if a baseball club comes here and makes it important to be part of Vegas, uh, they will be successful. Um, I don't think they'll be as successful as the Knights who have sort of who are sort of from here initially um now tony yes this is a good thing to segue this into though uh i heard tell rumors are flying around tony that Uh 2024 is going to be the year for nba expansion and they've pretty much already decided that the two teams are going to be vegas and seattle will this mean a realignment well it has to mean a realignment of conferences but Mm -hmm. are we going to get more sensible um, conferences. They uh, need to move Memphis and Minnesota to the east is what they need to do. <laughs> That's what right? I'm talking about. They're two yeah, clubs, just, especially just Memphis. Put Memphis and Minnesota in the east, yep. and that's no problem. Put Memphis in the division with Atlanta and Who cares Charlotte. about divisions? Like, well, divisions. whatever. Who cares? Right, sure. But, but still, they do it. They at least do it for travel purposes, right? So you yep. might play a couple extra games against Atlanta, Charlotte, yeah. Miami, whoever. And then put Minnesota in the in with the Bucks, Bulls, yep. Pacers, and Cleveland. 
Um, and w- w- the other team that plays in that division, which I can't remember. Um, uh, actually, that's it, I think. That's uh, it. No, Detroit. Um, oh, of course. But you yeah. put them together, and that's perfect, right? Because Minnesota and Milwaukee should be well, – Wisconsin and Minnesota fucking hate each other. They, <laughs> those two states cannot stand each other despite being – uh, like a lot of them, the same. Yep. Um, high murder rates, <laughs> right? Um, high amounts of elk meandering <laughs> about. Uh, so yeah, Minnesotans and Wisconsin's hate each other. Ask Tyler about this. He he hates Wisconsin more than anything in the world. Um, <laughs> and and Illinois hates Wisconsin too. So it's perfect. We just need to get everybody banded up against Wisconsin and we're good. But no, yeah, Vegas and Seattle. I think that'll be exciting. Um, Vegas will, and Vegas and the Lakers and the Clippers and, and uh, probably Phoenix all in a division. That'd be a fun one. Would um, be. And, and, they'll, and that's the funny thing about the NBA for everything that happened with the golden Knights being successful right away, you know, that Vegas team is going to suck extreme ass to start their first few years because the expansion teams always blow major ass. So that's going to be a fun experience. I I agree that they're going to suck ass for a while, but do you think Vegas could be one of those unique situations that are actually going to draw free agents because of where it's located and and the kind of town it is? I would bet. A million dollars that 37-year-old James Harden will be like, oh, <laughs> sign me up. I'm, I'm ready to be the big star in Vegas. His ass will be here in a second. Lou Williams might have to come out of retirement to play in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Great call. We're going to have Lou Williams and uh, Harden, J.R. Smith, be the GM. He's playing golf these days, but J.R. Smith will be the GM. Uh, it'll be perfect. I, I mean, I can't wait. Uh, I think we, I think we got to get this going. So I'm, I'm counting down the days till, till 2024. Um, by the way, did you see J.R. Smith was like academic all conference in his college this year? Jesus. Yeah, playing go. golf. He plays golf at like North Carolina A&T. Like, and he was all, all, he got a 4.0 GPA. This is why GPAs mean nothing. Like, have you ever heard J.R. Smith talk? You know what though? He's a, I mean, he's a 36 year old freshman in college. I bet he could put it together. He, you know, I'm sure he's fine. Come on. I love Jr. I love Jr. He's just high as shit all the time. It's fine. <laughs> Everybody is a freshman in college is high as shit. doesn't matter. Uh, all right, Tony, speaking of the NBA, why don't we, we're, we're almost to our second bullet point of the show. Uh, Let's hear that NBA finals preview from our number one basketball expert. It's Australian Tony breaks down the finals. Golden State versus Boston, how do you like it? I don't really like it, got to be honest. No, I mean, I hate, I, I hate both teams, actually. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I, I like Golden State. I think they've been a credible organisation. They play compelling basketball. Um, their coach is an interesting dude you would know quite well, being an ex-Chicago Bull player. Um, but I'm sick of seeing Golden State rejig lineup. Um, Andrew Wiggins rehabilitation, whatever you want to yeah. call his current um, Warriors side. We've seen it. Okay, they're fine. If they were com- playing a compelling um, Eastern Conference team, that would be an interesting final series. But they are playing perhaps 
my most hated franchise in the East. And it's not because I have sort of this hatred towards the Celtics like a lot of other people do, but I just find their fans fucking irritating. And especially well, their Boston, celebrity fans. Like, are we Bill talking Simmons, about Boston? Yeah. Bill oh, Simmons yeah, I mean, shits me to tears. Um, and he's not first. alone. And it's just like, yeah, we get it. In the 60s and 50s when nobody gave a fuck about the NBA, you were dominant. And yes, you were there side by side with the Lakers in the 80s. But outside of that, are you a compelling team that has kept the interests of people like the Bulls, like the Lakers, um, outside of Boston? No, because everybody hates the way you talk about your side. They ship me to tears. I did like the Ubuntu Celtics. I I actually (laughs) like that team. But that was was such a non-Celtics team to have. Yep. It, hadn't, it was so un-Celtics of that team to exist. The Garnett, Pierce, and uh, Ray Allen Celtics. I still don't like Ray Allen, but I loved Pierce. I think Pierce was such a unique player. But um, Plus, Garnett's such a fucking lunatic dude. I think because yeah. I, I watched him Michael for so many years, I love the craziest possible players. The most insane wackos are very fun <laughs> to watch to me. Curry is having too much fun. That's not interesting to me. I don't... It's like, yeah, whatever, sure. You're having a good time playing basketball. Cool. Uh, Come on. Show me a ma- show me a fucking maniac playing basketball. That's what I wanted to see. Well, Someone who is, like, aiming a gun at their head when they lose against the Vancouver Grizzlies in January or something, you know? But that's kind of like a, why I like the Warriors because you've got, like, somebody that is driven under the surface but always has a smile on with Steph. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the overtly driven guy in Draymond and then you've got yeah. fucking Clay, who doesn't give two fucks. Who's yeah, he's just, just out there. like a natural talent that'll just go and go and put up his reps. He'll go and do his. He's thing. Like, he'll he's, play he's, unbelievable he's, basketball, but then he'll get as high as fuck the second he steps off the court. He's less invested than his dad was. His, oh, his without dad a doubt, was, was just kind of a psycho himself. All right, Tony, let's make a bet. I have money in my William okay. Hill account, um, so I can do it live. I don't have to wait for me to bet. Had some success, by the way, some betting this week. I bet a first goal scorer in the uh, hockey the other day. Plus 2,500, Tony. You crazy man. What? Yeah, that was a, I, that was a nice win, though. I put, put a sure. 10 spot on there. Yep. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, well, um, all right. We got – how about this one? I think this is an interesting one to bet. Uh, the finals, exact number of games, winner – the winner and exact number of games. Uh, the winner is going to be the Warriors in five. It's going to be a general – Gentlemen sleep. They're going to win the first three, lose the fourth game, win the fifth game. Right. Warriors in five plus four twenty-five. We are in on that. Uh, what else we got that's interesting? Oh, so you think you think it'll be three nil after three games? Yes, I do. That's plus four. That's plus four hundred. We could get that. I like that. Um, we have. Uh, how about some play? How about MVP? That's a fun one. Draymond. Because you like Draymond is the MVP, huh? Not for the – we're not talking league MVP. That's already been decided. But uh, for finals, finals MVP. MVP. Steph, yeah. is, Steph is minus odds to win yeah. the MVP. <laughs> he was always going to be. And then, what, Tatum's going to be next on the line. Tatum's plus 180. Then Clay Brown. plus 750. Jalen Brown plus one thousand. Draymond is twenty eight hundred. See, there's a bit of value. Now you look at finals <laughs> MVPs over the time; they are not 
Guy asked it again. Daniel, cool. Daniel Tice is plus 200,000. Yeah, don't don't waste your money. So one, one dollar will win you two thousand dollars on uh, Daniel Tice. Yeah, that that's. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. No, but I like Draymond at, at those sort of odds. I think I think there's some value value there. All right, I'll take that. Do you like Wiggins at all? For MVP, no. Individual game leading scorer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in a big blowout game, and they they rest. Steph and Clay uh, and Draymond. Yeah, I can see Wiggins being the leading scorer. All right, scorer. and then we have um, – can I bet a sweep? You can bet the sweep. Warriors sweep plus 1,000. See, um, what's better odds? Draymond actually – what's a better bet? Draymond winning the MVP or a sweep? Because how often do we have I'm, sweeps in the NBA finals? I'm betting, not common. I'm betting, both, I'm betting all this shit, so okay. – they're all good bets. Um, uh, series leader after three games, Celtics Golden are plus State. 150 there. You like Golden State. Most points in the total finals, Tatum minus 120, Curry plus 130, uh, Jalen plus 850, Marcus Smart plus 15,000. <laughs> I think Daniel Tice for MVP is a better bet. Yeah. Uh, most rebounds in the finals. Horford is your favorite there. Uh, Kevon Looney, okay. uh, plus one forty-five. Robert Williams plus a thousand. Um, most assists. Draymond plus one twenty-five for most assists. Wow. See, Steph is plus. Steph is plus two eighty to have the most assists in the finals total. Seems kind of crazy. Um, Tatum plus four fifty. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take. Let's take these two. We'll take the Warriors. You got the Warriors in five plus four twenty five. Let's slap a tenner on that. And you got Draymond plus twenty eight hundred. We're just we're just putting a five on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those will pay. That's a that'll pay a total of one hundred ninety seven dollars and fifty cents if we. Uh, and why not put? Why not? Um, can you multi those up together? And see what what it'll pay. I cannot. I cannot oh. parlay those. I can only. I can only bet them individually. They uh, here out here out in Nevada. They ain't let you do the uh, parlays in the same series. So. What they won't let you do is bet. You can't parlay that Golden State will win and Draymond will get the MVP. They don't let you do that. So we'll just take those. That's done. All right, Tony. We can recap that. We might know how we're doing on that next week. So we'll we may very well. Now you've got me looking into my gambling account, and so I, if I'm more distracted than normal, which is hard to actually um, be, that's because I'm actually looking to get that that multi on of the Warriors in five and yeah, um, I get you. NBA Finals MVP. Well, I will say I've been I've been active on the uh, William Hill this week. Uh, I, I wanted to make I had made a hockey or a soccer bet last week that paid off. I had Liverpool, uh, or I had, sorry, I had Real Madrid. Real Madrid was getting like plus two sixty to win the Champions League. I'm like, bro, they win this shit all the goddamn time. They win, so uh, I took them and they won. Weirdly enough, 20. and uh, yeah, I've I've found the multi that I want, um, mm-hmm. and it is... Draymond and the Warriors in five. 
Well, it's actually the Warriors in four or the Warriors in five. And mm-hmm. it is twenty six dollars. So you put on a dollar, you're gonna get twenty six back. That's pretty good. You're getting a little more to me. I, I put on uh, I think I was getting like maybe like fifteen ish. Um but anyways, Tony, I had I had some leftover money after my first goal bet. So I pulled some money out. Um, but I had a funny hedge. I, I'm trying to learn how to hedge, Tony. Um, oh, you've been spending too much time with our friend Brian Malika. He loves a well, fucking think, hedge, and they are. I terrible. think I learned it though. So I had no, but hear me out. So I okay. have a bracket. I have a bracket contest going with some with some buddies in the hockey, and uh, I put in ten bucks, and it pays one ten uh, to to win it. And uh, the only way I could lose, we ran all the what-if scenarios, the only way I could lose is if Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup. So I was like, all right, well, what's Tampa Bay's odds? And they were plus 220. So if I bet $35 on Tampa Bay, I get the same amount back. So essentially what's happened is I bet $45 to, to get back 110 So I've just had to put more money in, but I win. In the end, I get a play. I'm coming out with 65 bucks. That seems like a good hedge. Let it now, ride. Tampa Bay got their shit kicked in today, but let it ride. Like how much? You, let it ride. Like how good are you going to feel when you actually like break even? You you're just going to yeah. feel nothing. I'm not breaking even. Well... I'm still winning 65 dollars. Yeah, but let it ride. Double down. To be honest, I should have just waited till today to bet it because the, they're about to be an extra. They're about to be two sixty because they <laughs> lost today. So um, that was the mistake I made. Um, uh, shit. Oh yeah, Tony. All right. So I, I got the betting going. It's fine. We're we're good. Um, so we're good on the NBA brackets or the NBA betting. Uh, I've got other shit floating around out there. Uh, I did really shitty at uh, blackjack this weekend. It's fine. Uh, but hey, guess what, Tony? I did what? want to talk a little bit about some beer events that happened here in Vegas. Okay. Um, we have a new beer zombies that just opened, and I actually went to it. It was like the first time I've been to a beer zombies in a year. <laughs> <laughs> what is a beer so zombies? I, beer zombies is this little local chain of beer places, and the people are very nice, but they tend to have so they're they're, they're a brewery too. They're like a gypsy brewer but they brew everything out in California and they make nothing but hazy and gloop. It's just haze gloop. <laughs> 100% of the time, haze gloop. And they have a lot of haze gloop on and, uh, they have a lot of places that are paired up with a restaurant in town, uh, called skinny fats. Uh, and you can go and sit at their tap rooms there and they're fine. I'd rather just go to Corey's, but that's all right. But they opened a new place out in Boulder city. So I decided to go check it out with some friends and it was actually really nice, Tony. I don't know how often I'll be driving out to Boulder City to go there. It's about 20 minutes. But uh, it was easily the back. nicest, nicest beer zombies. Um, big outdoor space. Decent beers were on. They had a lager and a West Coast IPA on, which blew my mind. Um, they have a taco truck, like, permanently parked out front. Uh, so I was actually happy with that. So if you're in Vegas and you're looking for a fun beer thing to try out and you want to go look at some touristy crap or you're going to Hoover Dam, you know, cause it's right there, uh, you can check out the beer zombies in Boulder city. Uh, I actually almost recommend it. I think almost uh, for, recommend. for a new beer place and there's a Cornish pasty in town and Cornish pasty is good as hell. 
uh, so you can get yourself some pie, which ain't bad. Tony, Tony would support that. You want some yeah. pies? I, I love a good pie. I love a good pasty. Not yeah, sure whether Cornish bad. pasty is is the absolute high point of a pasty, though. Yeah, it's all right. Um, they have a chicken tikka one though that I like, oh, which is pretty good. Um, you know, the interesting thing we did there was we opened up. Um, or my buddy Frank was there, and he opened up a bunch of Horace Mead. I had not tried any of the Horace Mead yet. Um, and I don't think I liked it. <laughs> I'm pretty glad I didn't buy any of it because the vanilla one tasted like straight up Dimetap, man. It had like, <laughs> it had this very cough syrupy, um, vanilla flavor. You know what I'm talking about? Does I that do. make sense to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. this very like over the top vanilla taste. The fruited one was okay. He had like a fruit, it was like a guava raspberry, something like that. Yep. Um, so I actually mixed a little bit of the two, and it was a little more palatable. Um, the vanilla sort of melded with the fruit a little bit. But I don't think I like those Horace Meads. I, th- I think I might have dodged a bullet there by not dropping the 40 bucks on those fucking things. Cause, yeah, it sounds you know, like it's I, definitely I like, not worth it. I like meat all right, but good, good Lord, that was not good. Um, all right, Tony. That's enough just random beer talk. Beer is fucking cool, though, and we're the number one beer industry podcast. Don't forget it. Uh, So why don't we move into the Discord where we talk about some serious industry problems. All right, Tony. uh, Big news in the beer world today. Uh, Actually, this is today. No, actually, this is yesterday. Uh, Pints for just six pence today in the U.K., over for the, uh, the the queen, the queen who's moved to a new phase, her platinum jubilee, um, Green King pubs. I'm not sure if I've been to a Green King pub, a Tide House, as it were, um, but I've been to, I've I would go. Um, I've had <laughs> Green King beers, I believe. I think is it isn't Old Speckled Hen a Green King beer? I believe. I. Um, I, I don't understand the British system of a breweries, pubs, and sort of their, their sales. Um, that idea of a, a like a, a major brewer owning a pub is kind of a, a weird prospect for me. But uh, you could the, be the right. Tide, the Tide House or whatever they call them. We had a couple of those in, in the Chicago area. Beer Zombies actually in, in an interesting way would theoretically be a Tide House, funny enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I get it, it. But it's not really the same. No, it's is not. Is it? I, I, I'm not sure no. whether it is. Yes, it's Old Speckle Hand, and I have had their beers. Um, yeah, that, I've definitely had a bunch of Old Speckle Hand over the time. A lot I of the Kelly had are, one like Saturday, I think, over at Silver Stamp. They have Old Speckle Hand on, <laughs> um, which was which was good. But six for six pence, um, eight cents or so. Uh, U.S. Uh, I did not get to pay. I didn't get to pay six pence. I had to pay like eight dollars. Yeah. Um, for yeah. my old speckled pen. So, um, I would gladly accept one for for that price. That's oh, Green King IPA. I've had Green King IPA. That's a nice. That's a nice English IPA. IPA. Yep. I'm just yeah. looking. There are a lot more variations of old speckled hen than I have ever got my hands on. I've only ever just got. Old speckled hen, but there's like golden old speckled hen, um, old crafty hen, old hoppy hen, low alcohol so, versions, gluten free. 
So the queen queen becomes queen, right, in 1952, before my parents were born. Yep. By a few years. My queen, yes. Uh, Vera Lynn ruled the charts. I don't know who that is. Oh, yes, you um, do. And Pints. Okay. She and was like, kind of only... like, if you can imagine, like Billie Eilish, but for wartime. <laughs> All right. No, she's famous <laughs> for her wartime songs. The, the soldiers were horny for her. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of soldiers horny for Billie Eilish. I just saw the Billie Eilish Dave thing. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, six pence in 1952 for a, for a pint. That's not bad, huh? Oh, um, I do like this quote from this this fellow. We we can't wait. <sighs> this website's working really good for me. We can't wait to see our customers enjoy this royally good deal on Monday, 30 May, and look forward to celebrating the Platinum Jubilee in all our pubs across the bank holiday weekend. And that's a nice PR statement, my man. Congrats. Now, I just want to do um, a conversion for all our listeners. Um, for those in the UK, that's six pence. For those in the US, that's eight USD or eight cents. Sorry. Eight cents. Yeah. Point zero eight USD right. in Australia. Right. It's 11 cents. So no doubt oh, they'd have God. to do some rounding in Australia and hopefully they round down because we don't have one cent pieces. So it'd either yeah, be... You have, a, you, have a, you have a one cent, you have a dime? You had a dime? We have a five cent piece and a 10 cent piece and a 20 cent piece okay. and a 50 cent okay, piece. So ten, 10 cents would be what we would call a dime, yeah. Okay. There you go. You got, you got a dime piece, Tony? You got a side. You got a side piece you're walking around with. All right. No, That's I'm cool. just like Stephen Crowder that has the um, holsters under the armpits with no guns in them. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so that's cool. Thank you, Nick, for posting that. Um, oh, Tony, we can live answer a question. This is in the beer chat. It's not in the mail keg. That's fine. We'll answer it in the beer chat. You can, can play I, the mail can keg. Can I hit the mail keg? Yeah, hit the mail keg. Today. Perfect. We're gonna we're gonna answer this live for our buddy Cascade Dank, um, who is going to the Kansas City area uh, for work. Wow! All right, that's a long trip. Uh, so Kansas City. Well, Kansas let's just City, type it. Missouri. We're just gonna type it right now. Uh, Boulevard. We know that's one, right? I would check out Boulevard. Uh, oh God! Gotta check out Boulevard. Uh, and get some Tank 7. You have hmm, to get Tank, tank seven. 7. Yep. I, uh, Kelly had a Tank 7 the other day. It was, it was really good. I had a Saison DuPont, but Tank 7 also tasted good. They're, they're very um, different beers, but they're both fucking amazing beers. AC Beer, AC Beer Co. is great for lager. You can look them up, Tony. That's a great uh, for a lager. I don't know anything about St. Joe's, Missouri. I'm not going to even bother looking at what, what about that uh, Stockyards? Um, have you been to Stockyards Brewing? I haven't. That's a new one to me. Uh, Kansas City Beer. Let's see if there's any other ones that, that strike my um, my memory. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, okay. Torn, torn Lake. Oh, Alma Mater. That's the one I'm thinking of. Alma Mater. Alma mater, I've heard is good. I've been there. And you should go to, oh, what is the guy's name? It's Stretch. Stretch, the guy from Triple D, Tony. Stretch <laughs> from 
Triple D. Did you ever watch? You, you don't watch yeah. Triple D, do you? Oh, I've, I've got it occasionally. It's not that I don't watch it, but it's just not a stretch. Works at Grinders. Go to <laughs> Grinders and see Stretch, who has been on Triple D so many times. Uh, Grinders is actually it's all right. It's goofy food. They have a chicken tikka pizza. Funny enough, we were just talking about chicken tikka. They have a pizza. Oh, no, it's chicken tandoori. They have a chicken tandoori pizza. That's really good. And he's a fucking lunatic. So it's kind of a fun place. They have good beer too. Okay, you're you're a TV food guy. I'm a YouTube food guy. Do you ever watch First We Feast? Of course, famous for Hot Ones. On yeah. One show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. They have a show called, I'll say it the way the host says it, but I don't think it's the way you pronounce the word, Pizza Wars. I don't think it's called Pizza, but she is from P- New York. Pizza? Pizza. She doesn't pizza pronounce Pizza Wars. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And they did a... Their latest one is a battle of Chicago pizzas. But. Okay. And the judges were Adam Richmond and Wolfgang Puck. But it wasn't the gimmicky Chicago pizza that isn't authentic Chicago pizza. Well, it was invented. Like tavern style they pizza. They did like tavern the style yeah, pizza. Yeah, I like the tavern style pizza, yeah. And um, I had some pizzas this week, by the way, and it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But. Y- I think it was you that were, were telling me that, like, deep dish is like a once-every-six-month kind of pizza where tavern style is what you go to all the time. That's right. That's correct. And it's is it true that – well, is it authentic that it's not cut into wedges like most It's pizzas? squares. It should be cut yeah. into squares. Okay. Yeah. So they were doing that right. Um I should get you to check it out um, and yeah, see how out. you rate those two particular pizzas. Both of them look fucking good to me. They My guess is they went to Vito and Nick's. One of them nope. was at Vito and Nick's. No, nope. they don't actually go to a um, location. It's just this this woman that hosts the show. She's one of the competitors, and they get somebody else off YouTube oh. to come up with okay. their own. Sometimes they're pizza chefs, sometimes they're not. But it's always good when Wolfgang Puck and Adam Richmond are, are judging. So yeah. I like Wolfgang. He's funny. He is. He's a good, good dude. He's actually really nice. I, I ran into him literally at the uh, thing that um, – at the gala that um, our friend Jameson host, hosted in the past. And uh, he was very nice. He has this nice Austrian accent. Very friendly fellow. Um, yeah. All right, Tony. So that's that's Kansas City. I'll, I'll try to think of some more stuff for our buddy Cascade Dank, but that's the stuff that came off the top of my head. Uh, what else in the Discord? Uh, oh, our man Cascade had also ate two tacos from Jack in the Box. No. Um, 99 are, cents down the drain. Very no, they're quickly $1.79 now. Oh, it's $1.79 no. for Jack Tacos. You got to so, be nuts. So a $2 bill Bro. down the toilet, quick smart. Because that, yeah. that chuck stuff goes straight through you. I had Del Taco last week, and that blasted my insides real bad. I'm, I got to be just a Taco Bell guy because Taco Bell is easy on me, but Del Taco was not kind to me. That was not good. Uh, now, um, you yeah. in show chat posted an update that um, I find fascinating that uh, a little over 10% of the Goose Island NFTs have been sold. Yeah, I, I had this in the news seg, but we could talk about it now. Oh, okay. that's, that's cool to me. I no, apologize. don't worry about it. There's no, there's no interesting news about it other than this. 
Uh, Goose Island has sold 288 of the 2022 uh, Bourbon, Bourbon County NFTs that it put for sale uh, on May 13th. So we're, we're three weeks in. They minted 2,000 plus of these NFTs. Who sold less than or less than 25, we'll say less than 20% of them. I mean, it seems like a total failure, right? They had to lower the yeah. price right away. Crypto's in the toilet. I think everyone's figured out that NFTs are a major, major scam. Um, even the scammers have to admit that it's a scam and they're just trying to get in on the scam. Um, it just seems like a total shitting mess, honestly. Yeah. You have to actually get a number of people excited to buy into a pump and dump scheme and they've got no opportunity to pump the NFT um, yeah. for Goose Island. This is... An amazing failure. I couldn't applaud it more. Um, this is what's going to happen funny. in the crypto space. So I applaud this. Goose Island, yeah, thank you killer. for um, doing this. It couldn't happen yeah. to a nicer corporation. Yeah. I think mean, Corey said it right. They overestimated the market for idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good, good take. Well, actually, um, I, I yeah. do want to take up something. Your average, not Goose Island drinker, but your average Anheuser InBev, like super fan. Do you think most of those could get themselves into a crypto market space? I think it depends. I mean, I think most people who drink Anheuser beer, Anheuser Busch beers on a regular are probably just people looking for a beer, maybe working class types yep. that would never even involve themselves in. In this universe, right? Yeah. So you're looking at a very specific type of person who um, is probably white collar in some way, right? Yes. To some degree, uh, but is highly gullible, A. And B, the thing is that most, I, I made this argument to Kelly today, and I'm not sure she agreed with me, but I think most of the people who are doing this know it's a scam, but they oh. think they're going to be the scammer. Yeah, they yeah. think they're going to be the scammer. They don't realize they're the scammy. This is this you know is hundred percent correct. This is like, yeah. like in the eighties, the the penny stocks. Like every like yes, there were some innocent people that got roped into it. Yeah. But most people are just trying to beat the market. They're just trying to get in and get out. They're just trying to pump and dump. And they think they are. They've got. Insider knowledge, but most people I'm the don't. One, I'm the one who's in this early. It's the people who get in it late, they're going to be fucked. Yeah. But you're yeah. the one who's fucked. You yeah. didn't realize that you're the one who's fucked. This is um, a legalized um, form of Ponzi like a pyramid. Yeah. yeah, pyramid right, Ponzi yeah. scheme where, where nobody can actually has a business model behind it that can actually pay out. So, yeah, it's all going to crumble doesn't eventually. doesn't do anything. Yeah. You can't buy anything with it. And actually, I think, I mean, there's clearly going to be some kind of recession coming up. Uh, all, it's going to, this is going to bottom out even worse because you're going to realize like, well, it's currency that I can't use to buy things and I have to buy things to live. Yep. Like I'm running out of money. And if these people <laughs> um, were around 10 years ago, they would have been in to the Iraqi dinar scandal scam but oh, well, sure. like a lot of people that got sucked into that they knew the dinar was worthless but they tried to get in early pump and dump and and shuffle and didn't work like yeah. all homer simpson investing in pumpkins and not selling them before halloween or whatever you know yeah. so fucking <laughs> people are gonna get lucky and 
then they can they can live off that for the rest of their lives and good luck to them. But 99.9% of people are going to miss out. Uh, yeah. buy, buy a lotto ticket. At least you know what the odds there are. You get, what, 70%, 80% of the money that goes into that pullback. The rest goes to whatever agency runs the lotto. It's, hey, it's a better payout than crypto. just a gamble. Go to the casino. Yep. You can sit at the 99.8% payback video poker, you know? Oh, actually, I think scratchy tickets are a better investment than crypto. Oh, here's an idea. Crypto scratchy tickets. All right, write that down. We don't want to forget that. Nope. Uh, Corey also posted here, uh, outsider in Nevada's GOP Senate primary surges rattling Trump's pick. I'm actually going to look at who that is. So, uh, Who was Trump's pick, do you know? Nevada Senate. I don't know. Adam Laxalt, maybe. That sounds like something uh, you put in a beer to like clean out your insights if you haven't been to Del Taco <laughs> in a while. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but whatever. Uh, I, I did. I did. I filled out my ballot today for the primary, but no. Uh, you know, mine are all the you know freaking Greens. freaking hippies and and you know. AOC weirdos and all that shit, you know. Uh, what else we got? We got some, oh, no gambling this week. It was me doing the gambling, so no news in the gambling world. I think that's about it, Tony. I think that's about all we have in Discord. If you guys want to get into the Discord and hang out with us, you can send us a note on Instagram at Beer Engine Pod. Uh, you could send us an email, Beer Engine uh, Show at gmail.com, or you could donate uh, one single dollary do, American type. To, or Australian uh, type. At, yeah, I think Australian would work too. Uh, ko-fi.com slash beer engine podcast. Uh, three different screen names for that. Very good. Nice job by me. Uh, <laughs> all right, Tony, why don't we move on to our lager of the week? Let's, let's move on to it. Why am I having trouble finding lager of the week? I'm on the wrong page. That's why. Man, I was trying to get organized and be ahead of the game. Ah, move your screen. Here we go. Griff's Lager of the Week. Griff's Lager of the Week. So, I'm going to jump in first. Technically not a lager. Um, Technically not particularly great either. I just wanted to point out. I got a delivery from... um, Bacchus Beer, or Brewing by Bacchus. I don't know what they want to be called. They're a Queensland... um, brewery that produce like some wild stuff and one of the things I did which was like fine but like it's not better than the actual thing but it's not terrible and that is Kolsch but they didn't just do any normal Kolsch they did nitro Kolsch and I just don't understand the point of nitro in a Kolsch it was fine it wasn't terrible I kind of like it a little spritzy you know yep And and it didn't taste flat but it just like didn't have that that like minerally bite, so. All right. Yeah. Nah. Well, Tony, I I also went relatively uncarbed for my lager of the week. Um, went over to the Silver Stamp. It was the owner Rose her her um, birthday. Uh, nice time. Brought a little sour beer to share. It was a good time. But they got themselves a cask of the Schlenkerla Fasten beer. Yes, and that was some good shit. Ooh. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Schlenkerla, Lent, Lent, Lenten beer, Fasten beer, whatever you want to call it. 
It's the one the monks drink four of a day to live uh, during Lent. And it was fucking fire, dude. 6% or so. Um, great out of the out of the barrel. Had a nice actual fizz to it for being, you know, poured out of the out of the wood. So clearly like naturally conditioned in some way. Um, but absolutely wonderful. Bright like strong smoke, but finish you know, those beers are so amazing. They have that smoky punch. They finish they don't finish like you're eating a piece of ham or bacon or something or brisket or whatever. They finish pretty clean. So Yep. Um really, really, really yummy. I loved it. Okay. Uh, Kelly drank a polliner pills, um, which also tasted really good. By the way, I hadn't had polliner pills in in quite a while, but that was also tasting really, really nice. Okay. So, sorry that you had such a bad lager experience, Tony. It, and wasn't, it wasn't even lager; it was Kolsch. Yeah, it wasn't bad. That was the thing. It was like middle of the road, and it's like, okay, I could understand if this was fucking terrible or this was amazing, but it was it was neither. It was just middle of the road. Let's get on All to right. something that was amazing. All right. why I'm still playing this, but seeing Griff bounce on the yeah, virtual screen yeah. across from me is amazing. So, so, so I always have what to play it just to watch Griff sort of bounce along to the tune. Song. I love it. Uh, Tony, why don't you go first? Okay. Give us something. This is back to, back to Bacchus. They are, as I said, a um, brewery that is not a, afraid of doing unusual things. This is not like super out there, but this is not a gloop bot, but it's got a ton of fruit. And it is, it's their triple ripple, and they call it an imperial gozer, um, mm. which you said was was bang on for the style, but uh, there was nothing golden in colour about this. Yes, it, it had a little bit of salt tang, and it was definitely a sour, and it was nice and thin, had the right body. Not overly thin, but not a gloop bot. And this is a um, Imperial Goza um, that's based around sort of a fruitcake. Okay. I'll actually read you the style and then I'll get you to do an untrapped, okay? All right. Using an Imperial Goza base, we've created a ripple fruitcake fermented on blueberries, strawberries and raspberries and infused with maple glazed peanuts. A saline slash lactic character of the goza gives a lovely base for the fruit to shine combined with a, a stubble sweet nuttiness. Mm. There are 122 check-ins. It is a fruited goza that comes in at 10.8% ABV. So a big boy. 10.8%? They said imperial. 4 Four point two five. I have to give that to you. It's four point one eight. It got five stars from me, but it's four point one eight. Um, really, really delicious. Um, they didn't go through all the adjuncts, but it does have maple syrup in it. It does have peanuts in it, um, and of course, mm. sea salt. So it was delicious. I'll give that a shot. Hard to believe that's not gloop, but I'm gonna. I'm, no? I'm, I'm willing to go at it. Yeah. Hey. The- I'm willing. I'm willing to get in there. It, it uh, looks Tony like Boy, a Newcastle I Brown uh, in colour-wise, if that gives you any sort of idea of what it looks like. Wow. That's crazy. All right. Um, Tony, I had a good 
Oh, yawn. Doyle's beer news is making me tired. Um, I had a, I had a good week for beer this week, Tony. I got a, I got to shout out a few beers. I feel like from a from a fun week. You guys know I got my San Diego shipment in. Um, I think a highlight would have been the Shikras. Did I do Shikras? Oh, I did that last week. Fuck you, Shikras Crest. We're going on to other stuff I liked. Um, how about this one from Bottle Logic, Intrepid Orchid? Got a Bottle Logic here. This was a bourbon barrel age English style vanilla barley wine. A little bit of pastry bot might have found his way into this. I don't know. You know? Are you sure and there wasn't some pastry bot? I think he might have been there. I think he might have found his way into this one. Um, yeah, decadent caramel hue with a glittering ruby-colored rim. Brown sugar, cookie, and toffee-toned aromas melt into layers of caramel cream and nougat. Brulee sugar bitterness and undertones of leather, oak, and autumn leaves. It was a very nice beer, Tony. I like this one. Um... Certainly a good one to share, though. Had, had, a, had a sweetness to it, for sure. Uh, another one I wanted to put up there as a great beer uh, that maybe doesn't get the pub it needs, but is probably making people a lot of money, is the Sierra Nevada Hoptimum, which just dropped. Uh, have you ever had this beer, Tony? This no, is like their not. triple mega triple IPA, 11%. Uh, Tony, this one has Amarillo, Brew One, Pato, and Simcoe Hops. Uh, every each year, we try to top ourselves by making the hoppiest, most intense IPA we can muster. Uh, then we push them beyond their limits to reimagine Hoptimum. Uh, it was this was delicious, dude. It was like a super heavy hop beer. It reminded me of Hop, hop Slam, essentially. Yep. Um, the big time punch. Uh, really enjoyable, and uh, they served me an entire pint of it at five nine five. Nice. Which was a terrible idea. No. Uh, Kelly had. Oh, Kelly had to share it with me. I only drank eight ounces. So oh, I couldn't finish it. Hard um, up, princess. No, no. I had, it was all that's all the way up, all the way up on uh, Rainbow. I'm not. <laughs> I got to drive all the way home. Come on. Um, but that beer also kicked ass. So I was very happy about that. Not to mention, I had a saison Dupont this week as well. And how good does how much better does it get than that? Been a while since I had a saison Dupont. Boy, what a winner that is. So that's, that's probably the best a whole bunch. Yeah. So, good week for beer for me. I was happy about it. Well, let's talk about uh, the beer week in general, outside of our little bubble where we're checking in our beers. Hyper beer and dark shit news. Fine, I guess. Uh, Tony, uh, some interesting news from the Maui, um, the Maui uh, Modern Times purchase. We talked about this last week. And really, I really don't have, so Live Oak Bank, which is the investor that Maui's probably working through, or the bank they're working through, challenges the inclusion of debts in the modern day receivership sale, whatever. That's a whole bunch of like bank nonsense that I don't yeah. really care about. What threw me, Tony, with this was that Maui has offered $7.6 million for the whole thing, for the whole shit, Tony. So... What are you saying? Are you, are you saying that the, the um, goodwill, because that's all essentially you're buying, plus debts? Um, plus debt, plus equipment and shit and, the, and whatever. Well, is the equipment included in that or is that going to be liquidated? That's, that's probably a key point. I think they're going to try to keep some of it if they're going to brew, you know, would be my guess. 
But whatever. Whether I mean the equipment in seven point six two million dollars. If you just think about the cost of the equipment, it's that's minor, right? That's yeah. what a couple hundred grand probably. Um, it's just crazy because not long ago, Tony, uh, Ballast Point was being purchased for a billion dollars. <laughs> but this is sorry to quote a. Ex-Australian Prime Minister, this is the recession we had to have around craft beer. It wasn't around the retail segment where people are producing great beer and are selling to the public. It's the extreme expansion that we saw of places like Modern Times and it was the overvalued sale to corporate overlords that oh, of course, yeah. we, we had to see. And I, I think it'll be good long-term for the breweries to actually... Um, sort of level out a bit and we won't have that that sort of hype around getting sales we'll get um we'll get better long-term brewery owners and i I think it'll be good for the industry of course no i don't i don't think it's it's not that that is a bad offer it's that that, that's insane how far everything's dropped right so goose island got bought for 30 or so million, I think, was the final number when Goose Probably. Island was sort of the first domino to fall about 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, that was about $35 million. But that was probably um, the last close to correct valuation of a company like that because we saw a lot I of... Think, no, I would argue that Boulevard, Firestone Walker, Oma Gang are not out of the question with what they got paid, they got bought for. I think Firestone being the most valuable, and I think when Firestone got bought, it was somewhere in the 160 million, maybe, uh, with three locations, their huge barrel program, the goodwill that brewery has, yep. the kind of nationwide distribution. Um, I think that's not nuts to me that Firestone got bought for that much. I think Boulevard was maybe closer to 75 or 80. Either way, I don't think. Duval's looking at those as being investments that have lost them much. You no, know what I mean? I will say the Montserrat um, investment is perhaps the most solid out of all of them when you look at, say, um, the Anheuser InBev over, over purchases and, and other large breweries mm-hmm. that, are, that are bought to buy market capital. I think those are some of the ones that have overpaid. Um, I think... I think you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, think the Firestone Walker and, and Boulevard, not Boulevard, um, who did you say? Um, Home again and Boulevard, Omegang, yeah. Yeah, and Boulevard. Um, I think they're good long-term brands um, as long as they can, the gave them a oversight is there. Gave them a coast, but, you know, it had value especially to Duval because it gave them a coast-to-coast network, you know. Yep. And, um, and we've seen yeah. problems there. Look, because um, didn't we have problems at, at a couple of the breweries that they purchased with – um, Boulevard for stuffing. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Boulevard had some growing pains for sure. Um, and, and I'm sure all of them are having those to a degree. Uh, the other, the ones that seem insane now, uh, I'm not sure what St. Archer got bought for, but they recently got bought for very much nothing by the same folks who bought out um, fucking Ballast Point, that Kings and Convicts gangs. Yep. And um, that, the Ballast Point for a billion will be the one that sticks in everyone's head because that was fucking nuts. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, they didn't have a billion dollars worth of anything except 
everyone's like Sculpin is the greatest thing in the world. And they're not wrong. Sculpin is amazing. Great beer. But it's not a billion dollars is never going to take, you know? Yep. Um, what did Lagunitas sell um, when they were bought by You know, Heineken? they sold half at a time. Uh, so it's hard to tell. Yep. Um, I'm not sure what their 50 per- I'm not sure if they, if, if we ever, did we find out what the 50% stake in? Uh, um, not sure we ever did. And uh, Lagunitas purchase price. Um <laughs> But it says they uh, the sale price in 2015 uh, valued Lagunitas at about a billion dollars. <laughs> Maybe uh, that was when they bought the first 50 percent. I'm guessing the second 50 percent cost a lot less. Yeah, but that's still <laughs> what? Maybe seven hundred thousand. 700 million. Maybe. 700 yeah. million. That's, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I would think something like that. Now, Lagunitas, do I, now you could argue that Lagunitas was worth, had more assets to buy. They had the Chicago brewery. They yeah. had the, um, the Sonoma brewery. They had, they, they have a Seattle brewery. You know, they have a little more. And I would argue also that compared to Ballast Point, they have much more nationwide recognition than Ballast Point ever did. So. That's um, still a lot of money that for that those particular brands. Still more than I would have spent, but you know what? Heineken hasn't given them up yet, so. No, that's um, true. You got to say that at least they're sticking by them. Yeah, Ballast Point. Ballast Point will be the one that everyone's like, God damn, that was insane for you to buy that for that much money. Um, and it and whatever, you know, there's, I mean, not like Ballast Point's gone. No. Uh, but they just cost a dollar or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> funny so yeah 7.6 million for modern times you know that sounds crazy but that they're pretty much just buying the brand you're right i mean that's what they're buying the brand yep and maybe you got maybe a building or two and maybe a a, a lease and maybe some equipment if they're lucky you know it's about yeah. it yep there's really not a lot left when when things things like that get liquidated so yeah i i <laughs> Because how much good will is left in the good times name? Like we talked about their core range was pretty good, but outside of that, they'd become a confused brand with. Actually, I think they're, when I look back on it, I actually think their core range is the worst part of them. The best thing is their barrel aged and their one offs. I mean, I think that's what they do the best is make barrel aged beer. So, so unless you're getting that say, staff and those barrels and that barrel program. And their spots, like the going yep. to their places is fun. <laughs> but it's fun to go to modern times. Their food is good. They've you know, closed they good most place. of them down because they're not profitable. They've closed most of the ones that were outside of out of San Diego. I think yeah. the San Diego Benitas one are still kicking, but um, it's it. You're right. I mean, it was they had all vegan food, um, and the vegan crunch wrap was fucking yummy. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's tasty. Um, all right, Tony. One more thing on Hyperbeerner dork shit news, and this will this will follow us up into Untrapped. But the World Beer Cup happened um, this past couple of weeks. Here, I printed out the winners. Oh, exciting! Uh, yeah, uh, Tony. I barely knew a lot of the winners. Um, I did want to highlight a couple of the my favorites uh, here that were very funny to me. That one. Um, here, here, there are a couple of actual favorites of mine. 
Um, Pizza Port won a couple golds. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, A bronze in coffee stout for Mocha Machine by Beechwood Brewing. Hey, good for you guys. That was a good beer. Uh, Burgeon got a silver in International Light Lager. Okay. Uh, What else we got? Oh man, uh, oh, I'm saving some of these for Untrapped. So we gotta, we gotta. <laughs> here's here's a funny one. Uh, the Froggy Claws Swiss Style Celebration Lager from Hoppin Frog Brewing won silver in the German Style Doppelbach or Icebach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Froggy Claws. Pretty funny. Um. Fuck me. Oh, uh, Holy Gosa from Anderson Valley won Gosa. It is nice when Anderson Valley wins the Gosa category because the Gosas are bomb. Yeah. Oh, it's good to hear that they're still producing um, quality Gosas because when I first ran across that style, their orange, blood orange Gosa was sort of the oh, golden stamp. So good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the best. Um, oh, guess who won gold in German style wheat, wheat ale? It's Wein Steffener Hefeweissbier. How about that? Good for them. That was actually a good call. They got it right. They got one right, Tony. They got one right. They did get one right. Uh, Alesmith Wee Heavy won Scotch Ale. I actually bet that's fucking good. Um, no doubt. And that's it. But the interesting stuff I've saved for Untrapped. So why don't we pivot over to a game? Tony, get your ass in the well. We are going to play a, a, a game right quick of Untrapped. Yeah. yeah. I love Duffman off the top. He's the greatest. I like Duffman, yeah. All right, Tony. Uh, I've got five beers here for today's game. Uh, these are all from the winners of the World Beer Cup. Uh, okay. Actually, you know what? I have four. Sorry, I have four beers and a tiebreaker. All right, and we're going to do the tiebreaker either way. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's a good bit. Um, so, Tony, I was unfamiliar with many of the beers here. Some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. I picked a couple that I knew uh, here, and I thought these would be good ones to laugh at how silly it is that these beers are winning shit. Um, and I uh, got a couple here. I wanted to start off with the one of the, cat, one of the few categories we're always familiar with all three of these breweries. And this is Category 14, Non-Alcoholic Beer. 123 entries in this category. The bronze went to Parallel from Southern Grist Brewing in Nashville. The silver went to, and this is the one you wish you could rate, Tony, N.A. Black Butte by Deschutes. Yum. wonder if that might be good. I don't know. And then the golden, sorry, the gold medal went to the Golden Lager from a brewery that we have tried on this show, or I have, from Groovy Brewing from Denver. Uh, I tried their IPA on this show. Uh, it was awful. <laughs> uh, that was the winner. Uh, the Golden Lager from Groovy is the winner in the non-alcoholic beer category. Now, Tony, this one only has a mere 84 check-ins. <laughs> the Groovy Golden Lager, 84 okay. check-ins. 
It's our version of the classic American lager, light, crisp, and crushable. You'll never miss your old light beer again. We brew each batch using Centennial hops, all right, which are known for their balanced bitterness and light citrus aromas. So See, it's I a Centennial that- hopped, non-alcoholic golden lager. The way you were, were saying, I thought there was going to be a blend of hops. Now, you think this is awful, and you rate beers pretty well. I didn't drink this beer. I had oh. their IPA on the show, which was I hated. Okay. So I don't like the name for starters. Uh, this is best of a bad bunch. This is in the threes, without a doubt. Perhaps I'm, I'm going a bit high even in the threes. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that this comes in at a lowly 3.15. Tony, you're one for one. He gets one. 3.21 for Groovy Golden Lager. Nice job. In the ballpark. In the ballpark. Nice job. That's good. All right, next up. When you were putting this game together, for the first beer, did you have me in that ballpark? I always find it interesting because you sort of have an idea where I'm going to guess, and I'm. Often... I actually did not look at the rating ah. for these until we did this show, so I I, I tried to keep myself um, relatively uh, uh, um, neutral here. So you're one for one. This one is next. So this is in the American style sour ale category. There were 28 entries in this category, a small category. This one. The bronze went to something called Cryptoporticus from Level Crossing Brewing Company in South Salt Lake, Utah. Don't know anything about that. Nope. Silver went to a beer called Brilliant from Ten Barrel Brewing Co., which I believe is owned by the aforementioned Anheuser-Busch uh, at their Bend Pub in Bend, Oregon. And the gold and the one you will be rating, Tony, is the Low Funk, spelled like P-H- Get it? Low pH. I've got it. Um, and this is from one of my least favorite breweries on earth, <laughs> from Mobcraft Beer, uh, formerly of Madison, Wisconsin, now of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Tony, this brewery has uh, typically put to together beers um, that are uh, made from like crowdsourcing the idea. Oh, that never works out. Yeah, a guy used to bring them to the bottle share at Iron and Glass, and I was like, bitch, you cannot (laughs) come to this anymore. No way. Anyways, Tony, this is a sour ale conditioned with lactobacillus using a Solera, using the Solera blending method. Uh, Refreshingly tart with hints of lemon and Belgian esters. Allow your taste buds to boogie down with this funky pleasure. Tony, this also won the 2019 Great American Beer Festival gold medal. For American style sour, holy shit! It's won twice. Okay, um, I think I think sour five point six thousand check-ins. Yep, I think this is going to rate better. I think sours are better suited for non-alcoholic beers. So I'm going to be generous. This is non-alcoholic. Yeah, non-alcoholic. Pardon? This is not. An, no, oh. that, the last ones are non-alcoholic. Okay, this gotcha. is just beer. Oh, this is just beer. I have to readjust my ratings. Yeah, It's 4.2% ABV, 5 IBUs. Okay. So this one comes in at a much more respectable 3.82. I I think the lower alcohol keeps it down. It doesn't get it above the four mark. 
That's where I'm going to No way. It. Not even close. Oh. I'm right about Mobcraft. They suck balls. You can give this beer all the medals you want, but it's only got a 3.54. I wouldn't have got it on. when I thought it was an, a non-alcoholic sour because <laughs> I was going to go 3.35. So oh, I got there you're... either. <laughs> Still not, <laughs> just not close the other way. Um, all right, so you're one for two. Next up, we are moving to... Oh, this is oh, this is going to be good. All right, this is my favorite one of the bunch right here. Who actually? No, I don't want to do that one yet. I love it too much. It makes <laughs> okay. me too happy to think about. Uh, okay, here's here we're going to do a good beer. Um, so here we go. This is in the Belgian fruit beer category, Tony. Okay. Belgian fruit beer category seventy five. There were seventy seven entries. Um, the bronze went to Valley Melange from Cold Fire Brewing Company in Eugene, Oregon. I've been to Eugene, not familiar with that brewery. The silver went to the Ode Creek Ode Beerzel. Ode Beerzel in Belgium, the uh, classic, the yep. old longtime Lambic brewer from the Pahotenland. And the gold went to a favorite of mine, a beer called Atrial Rubicite from Jester King Brewery in Austin, Texas. So the beer you will be rating is Atrial Rubicite. Uh, this will come down it, to the ingredients and description. We're going to say this is blend 11, the most recent blend. Okay, so be my guess. it's, it's, it's like a stout with vintages, gotcha. So it'll be a blend-specific rating. 1.7 thousand check-ins on this one, 5.1%. First brewed in 2013. Uh, Atrial Rubicite is our barrel-aged wild ale re-fermented with raspberries. Brewed with Texas Ooh. malt, well water, and hops. Then barrel aged for a year prior to blending and refermentation. As its name implies, raspberries penetrate to the very heart of this beer with a whopping seven pounds per gallon added to the refermentation. We get notes of raspberry jam, juniper, sour, strawberry sour punch straws, white pepper, black cherry chapstick, and a hint of Jester King funk. 5.1% bottled in May of 2021. I don't care what the, the, um, Alcohol by volume is on this one. This one is going to be rated high. I have to be careful, though. Do I want to put it into the stratosphere? No, I don't. I'm going to go 4.37. 4.37. I think that's a shit ton of raspberries. I think people love it. Have I gone high enough or have I gone too high? We're about to find out. You didn't quite make it, Tony. This one has a 4.5. There you go. Zero. That's what I want to hear. I don't care that I missed. I'm just glad that I missed under rather than over in that case. So, Tony, if you can get this one, we can. the, the tiebreaker will actually help you, uh, even though we're going to do it anyways. Um, so here you go, Tony. This was my favorite thing that happened at the World Beer Cup 2022. I can't wait for this. Tony, every single category that I've that existed in this entire festival got a gold, a silver, and a bronze. But there are only two and entries. Yes, one category. Nobody was good enough to win gold or silver. <laughs> and there's only one medal given for a bronze. And that category, Tony, and this is gonna blow your mind what category it was, is the Belgian style wit beer. With 102 entries, 
And the winner of the only medal in the category, a bronze medal, not a gold medal. Hush. The White Ale from Allagash Brewing Company. Yep. Which received, which was not good enough to get the gold, I guess. It just was good enough to sneak in with a medal uh, for because it's so bang on average. Uh, <laughs> like this is not like a wine rating system where every wine gets a fucking gold medal because it's based on whether it reaches a certain score. This is like there are three medals given out and give out the the medals for fuck's sake if every other category has it. How could Allagash White be the beer that was in the category that didn't get a gold medal? You got to be nuts. Um <laughs> About the best white ale in the world, uh, or at no, least arguably. It is, it is the yep. best white ale. It is the standard setter. It is, yeah. So, Super. Tony, here you go. We might have even done this one before, so if you can yank it from your memory. Uh, this has 239,400 check-ins, 5.2%. Algash White spe- features a refreshing balance of citrus and spice. Wheat, and everything nice. Coriander. And Curacao orange peel round out the flavor of this pale, straw-colored, hazy beer. Um, yeah, I, if I can't yank it, yank it out of my memory, I'm going to be yanking it in the well. So either way, something's going to get yanked. <laughs> um, one on something. I'm sure we've done this on the show, and I think I missed last time. I actually think this is a phenomenal beer, but because of the style, it gets rated down. I'm going to go in my favourite area again. I'm going back to the three point eights. Um, give it, give me three point eight seven. I think that's too no, high. No, Tony, you went a tenth too high. It's a three point seven six. Oh, for Allagash. Three point seven six, a uh, kind of ass rating for this beer, Tony. The last thing I'm going to throw out: this is worth a million points. You can get out okay. of the well if you can get this within. If you can get this number within five, you will get one million points, and you will get your way out of the well. So you can yank on your shit up here, whatever. <laughs> um, there were three hundred and four beers that uh, were uh, received medals in the World Beer Cup. Uh, not three hundred and six because, uh, of course, the Belgian style wit beer only had one winner <laughs> uh, in the hundred and three categories. Here, three hundred and four got medals. How many of these beers, Tony? Could I, I? I went through. I highlighted the breweries that I was familiar with. Okay. So how many of these beers out of the 304 came from breweries that I even knew existed? Uh, existed. Okay. I got you. I'm going to say this is under 50% without a doubt. Um, your beer knowledge is outstanding, but this is a, to quote an Australian song, this is a fucking big country we live in. In the same idea, this is a fucking big industry. Um, mm-hmm. So we're talking about thousands yeah, and, of... Pro- and, some, and some questionable judgment, <laughs> I oh, would argue. Also. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to go, in percentage terms, I think you knew about a quarter. So I'm going to be more specific than that. 
I'm actually going to say 22% of the breweries you had some knowledge of their existence. I know that's rather low and that's a fifth of the stack basically, but that's where I say it. I, there's, there's just going to be so many different names that you won't recognise. I don't care if you're fucking Michael Jackson. There's just no way your brain can file that much shit in there given how shithouse the judging can be. Oh, I don't know what the percent is. Give me the give me a number. Oh. Eight. How many out of three hundred and four? I guess I could do the math, but what is um, what is twenty two percent of three hundred and four? It's sixty six point eight eight. I'm going to say you knew sixty seven breweries. Sixty seven, Tony. Not quite, Tony. I, I needed you to at least get within, I don't know, five or seven or so. <laughs> I knew I was familiar with 83 of these breweries, that, or sorry, beers, oh, whatever, the breweries that made breweries the beers that, anyways. That 83 the of the beers. Yep. Um, yeah, 83, still not very many. Got to say, what is that percentage? That's probably closer to like 27%, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, uh, something like that. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're sticking in the well. Sorry, my friend. I will give you a little joke while you're down there though. Um, now while, while, uh, uh, where is it? While Allagash did not win a gold for white beer, they did win a gold in uh triple, right? Where the hell did I put it? <laughs> they won a gold in, yes, here it is. They won the gold in Belgian style triple. Um, it was over. Uh, funny enough, the bronze medal winner was a Belgian <laughs> brewery <laughs> called Scheldebrauer uh, from Mir, Belgium. So they won triple, but could not pull it out in wit beer. Funny enough, so I'm sure the Al- I mean the Algas triple is lovely, but yeah, is it the best in the world? Apparently, according well, to these shitty judges. Maybe, I guess, according to whoever these guys are. Also, the best South German-style Hefeweizen is called Gogglefogger from Fatheads Brewing. <laughs> That's cool. All right, Tony, let's wrap this thing up. Where can okay. people find us? People can find us on Untapped. That's where we're checking in beers. I'll be checking in some Becker stuff, hopefully some Mountain Culture stuff, um, and I'm St. Moz on Untapped. If you want to see what Griff's checking in, here's Griff AD on Untapped. If you want to give us a tip, you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast. You can send us an email at beerengineshow at gmail.com. It would be nice to receive something other than Google Analytics um, in our inbox. <laughs> uh, but if you want to see what we're photographing, that is Beer, at Beer Engine Pod on Instagram. Um, Griff, any closing thoughts? Oh, boy. What a, it's just another week of being deep in the beer industry minds. You know, we are plugged in to the world of beer. And, um, you know, sometimes that's just tiring. So I think I just got to get myself some rest and try to gear myself up for another week of the hottest beer news. Look, if you keep going at this rate, you'll turn yourself from from silk out of diamond and silk into Lou Dobbs. So just relax, take it easy, <laughs> and don't overthink I, it. 
I am ready to be the world's the beer world's Greg Gutfeld. That's all I want. Well, you know what I want to be. Come on, take a guess. Who do I want to be? Uh, Bill O'Reilly. No, he's he's past it. He's uh, over it. Judge. 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 Not Andrew Napolitano. Janine oh, no. Pirro. Janine Pirro? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's get you in on that. I would love that. Judge Tony. We got to do a sec. Okay, we're going to come up with a segment called Judge Tony. We got to figure out what that Ooh. is. I don't know what it'll be, but let's do it. All right, gang. We'll, we'll catch up again next week. Uh, thanks for listening to our uh, very important uh, podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for doing this with me, Silk. Ha <laughs> ha.